Welcome to Saving Grace Church, located in Indiana, Pennsylvania. Our mission at Saving Grace Church is to love God, love others, and reach the world for Christ. We hope that this message brings you closer to God and helps strengthen your walk with Christ. And first of all, I just want to welcome you all. We're so excited that you're here with us this morning in the building. Or if you're watching online, we're just so glad that you're joining us today. So... Uh, how about the worship band? I love how they, they really, you can tell they are singing with the joy of their hearts. Wasn't that, wasn't that awesome? And uh, Christmas time is a wonderful time of year. And so today, in our, we find ourselves in the middle of our Advent Christmas series. Last week, Joe preached uh, a wonderful message on hope has come. And today, I will be preaching from the text that Mary just read for you in Isaiah chapter 9 verses 1 through 7, on peace has come. And next week will be light has come, and then on Christmas Eve is love has come. So that's where we're at as far as preaching, but the text today, as I said, will be Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 through 7. Some, some famous words in there and some that maybe aren't so famous. So in our text, we find the nation of Israel in a time of great darkness. The worship of pagan gods and unbelief in the one true God has caused the nation of Israel to face judgment for their sins. And the dark clouds of war are gathering on the horizon as the prophecy of the Assyrian invasion to come falls on the king Ahaz on his ears like thunder approaching. So picture it, if you will, kind of like yesterday <laughs> here in Pennsylvania. It's dark. It's gloomy. The thunder is coming. The lightning is roaring. And the war clouds are moving in to bring even greater turmoil and darkness into the land of Israel. So my first point is that peace is proclaimed in the midst of darkness and war. So we're in chapter 9. In chapter 7 and 8 of Isaiah, you'll see that if you read that, the prophet is foretelling of judgment to come for the various sins, as I said, that Israel has committed. And also that the Assyrians are going to be invading, and they did, just as Isaiah prophesied eventually. So this was a judgment against the wicked king Ahaz. They had some good kings and then Ahaz comes along and he's not a good king and so there was a price to be paid for that. So I want to read from some of that text quickly if I could. Isaiah chapter 8 and verses 19 through 22. And when they say to you, this is what was happening, inquire of the mediums and the necromancers who chirp and mutter, should not a people inquire of their God? Should they inquire of the dead on behalf of the living? To the teaching and the testimony, if they will not speak according to his word, it is because they have no dawn. Listen now. They will pass through the land greatly distressed and hungry. And when they are hungry, they will be enraged and will speak contemptuously against their king and their God and turn their faces upward. And they will look on the earth, but behold, Distress and darkness, the gloom of anguish. 
and they will be thrust into thick darkness. So, let's try to bring that to today. So, we're not the nation of Israel, but just as they are, if we don't follow God, if we turn from God, we also face judgment for our sins and we walk in darkness and anger. So, I know what you're thinking. Wow, okay, this is a great Christmas message so far. <laughs> really brightened my day, huh? <laughs> well, it gets better. So. so, we saw in the Scripture that the Son that is promised is mighty God. And because He's mighty God and He's a just God, He has to judge the sin of the world. 1 John 5.19 says, We know that we are of God and that the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. So again, just as Israel was judged, humans all face judgment. And this is the time in Isaiah 9 that we see God proclaiming the coming of the Prince of Peace and bringing light into this great darkness. So maybe some of you walked into today and you're in a place of darkness for whatever reason. Life's tough sometimes. But that brings us to my second point, which is that the peace that Jesus brings is otherworldly. Maybe not a word you hear very often, but it's otherworldly. What do I mean by that? Okay, you're saying, what, what do you mean, otherworldly? Sounds like a nice sentence, but what are you talking about? So, in Isaiah chapter 9, in verse 1, it begins, There will be no gloom for her who was ang in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. So, let's skip ahead now to Matthew chapter 4. Also called Galilee of the Nations, or some, some Bibles translate that Galilee of the Gentiles. This area that we're discussing. So, in Matthew chapter 4, in, starting in verse 13, it says that, Now when he heard that John, this is referring to Jesus, Now when he heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew into Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum by the sea in the territory of Zebulon and Naphtali. So that was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. And for those dwelling in the region and shadow of death, on them, light has dawned. And from that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So, if you're like me, when you read Isaiah chapter 9 before, you probably cruise right over verse 1 there. Trying, and, you know, you're getting to the good stuff there in chapter 2, where it talks about the Son is coming, and the everlasting Father, and the wonderful... You just blazed right over that. But, it's important, and God's Word is so rich. So why am I saying all this? Because if you look at that, uh, let's see, can I get the map up there, guys? If you look at this map, 
you see Zebulun and Naphtali. And you see a little town named Capernaum up there and a little town named Nazareth. So this area was despised by the Hebrew nation because the Gentiles tended to gather there. It was known for sin. And one commentator said that the people there might be viewed as brutish and backward. Maybe you have a town that you think of when you think of those thoughts. Werner, shame on you. <laughs> Seriously though, this was a place that was kind of a rough and it wasn't really for the Hebrews to go there. Okay, kind of like if last Sunday evening you would have worn your T.J. Watt jersey and your Steeler hat and went to an establishment in the Baltimore Ravens uh, fan club area, you know, something like that. Seriously though, this was, this was, a, this was a, a rough area, but Jesus... The Prince of Peace, the Light, he didn't think it was robbery to be called equal with God, and he didn't think it was a bad place to go. He wasn't afraid to go in the darkness. He went to the darkness. He went to the land of the Gentiles. So there was, the scripture says that the, that the gospel went to the Jews first and then the Gentiles. You see, there was a distinction. Us, them. Jews, good guys. Gentiles, bad guys. Not only did he go there, that's where he lived. He lived in Nazareth. And in Matthew chapter 4, when we read, he went, when he began his ministry, into this town called Capernaum. And that's where he made his headquarters as he went out and spoke and ministered to people, and then he would come back to Capernaum. Jesus went where the holy people wouldn't go. That's not like the world, right? It's like, he didn't go to Washington, D.C. He went to the gutters and the fields and the backwoods and the country where the sinners were. He brought light into the darkness. So they were expecting, if you read in our text, the government will be upon his shoulders. They thought he was going to be a king, a warrior king. In the Old Testament, when David was was coming to power, they sang songs like, Saul has killed his thousands and David has killed his ten thousands. So Jesus should be like, killed his hundred thousands. But that's not the way he does warfare. Jesus is not like that. He didn't come with the sword or a chariot or an, today it would be like an M1A1 Abrams tank or a cruise missile. Yeah. That's the way I think. I like that stuff. So, you know, it's like we think of war, we think of peace. Those are the kind of things that some people think of. So Jesus goes to the land of the Gentiles. In fact, when he was calling the uh, apostles, one of them, I believe it was Nathaniel, they said, hey, we found the one, come. We found him. It's one, Jesus of Nazareth. And he said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? That's the way they thought of this place. This is where Jesus lived. This is where he loved to be. He brought light into the darkness and war. He said in John chapter 14, 
in verse 27, the words of Jesus Christ. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You see, He gives a peace not like the world. That peace is fleeting. He said in another place, there'll be roars and rumors of wars, but fear not, I have overcome the world. War is never going to change. It's never going to end. So I have an example here. I have a quote. This is the world's view. This man, his name is Matt Fraser. He's a psychic medium. This was in a list of helpful things. Uh, I'm not advocating that in any way. I'm just giving you an example of the world. This is what, if it doesn't make you happy, it is not worth holding on to. Release it to the universe and lighten your load. Oh, it's not making me happy. It's gone. I'm assuming he's referring to people there too. They don't make you happy, ditch them. What does the wonderful counselor that we read about, what does he say? In Proverbs 17, 17, he says, A friend loves at all time, and a brother is born for adversity. We don't ditch people. We don't chuck them. We don't just write them off because they're not making us happy. That's, not, that's the world's way. That's not the way of Jesus Christ. That's not the way of the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. So there's a man named Watchman Nee who uh, gave so much of his life for the gospel of Jesus Christ and he wrote many of his writings from prison. But this quote, he says, religious people attempt to overcome the world by removing themselves from it. Maybe the Amish are somehow in that, that, that area, kind of separate themselves from the world. Christians overcome the world by being otherworldly. See, we don't have to remove ourselves from the world. We just do like Jesus did, and we live otherworldly. In 2 Corinthians 4.18, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen, for the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. The things that we see, they're not going to last. The things that are unseen, those are the things that matter. And so, if we look at the words of Jesus when He offers His peace, we can see that He is directing His peace to comfort our hearts. He says, don't let your heart be troubled in John 14, 27. He says, don't let your heart be afraid in John 14, 27. In John 16, 13, He says, take heart. In this world, you'll have tribulation. But take heart. I've overcome the world. So, the wonderful counselor who was promised and did come gives peace in the workplace as well. Many years ago, I had a crooked boss. 
And he was clearly taking advantage of the owners of the company. And it just really bothered me a lot. And so, I just, so much so that, I, I mean, I kept praying about it. I didn't know what to do. It just drove me crazy because these were some of his friends. And uh, he, was, he was doing things that he shouldn't be doing. So I would actually walk, take the scenic route through the office so I didn't have to walk past his office. So I didn't even want to see his face, even though he signed my paychecks. And so that went on for weeks and I think even months, and it, it just really bothered me a lot. And uh, eventually I recalled this scripture in 1 Peter 2, 18 and 19. It says, Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. For this is a gracious thing. When mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. So I wasn't really suffering, but it just made me look at what God wanted me to do. And so now my eyes are not on the, un the injustice that I see, which I still had to figure out what to do with that or what not to do with that. But it gave me peace because now I know, hey, look, you need to do your job. <laughs> like, you have to do the best job. That's the way we should always approach it as Christians, do the best job that we can in the situation that we're in with the tools that we're given. So that was tremendous. And I went to work and eventually I went to the stockholders and it, it, it you know, it, it worked itself out, but it wasn't really because of what I did. It was just because for me, I needed to remember that he says, even if some translation called a froward or perverse boss, you just do the right thing. So there are many things that can cause us to lose our peace, right? I mean, maybe you have a work situation where I've had jobs like that where you wake up in the morning and your stomach starts churning just knowing you're going to work and it's just pressure or maybe there's a relationship issue or a boss you don't like for different reasons. Um, finances, relationships within your family, relationships outside the family, holidays, for example. Christmas time is a wonderful time of year, but for some people, it's a very sad time because they've lost loved ones. It's not always a happy time. Or, it's a lot of pressure. There's presents and, you know, got to buy this and got to get that and got to bake and clean and cook and travel and, and what's going to happen when crazy Uncle K comes and you know, does whatever. You know what I'm saying. Like sometimes family gatherings, there's tension too. So there can be a lot of stress. How do we have peace in our hearts every day, in our daily lives? How do we do that? Hmm. Well, some of the responses that we have sometimes are anger, anxiety, depression, turning to alcohol and other addictions. So verse 7 of our Scripture says, of the increase of His government and peace, there will be no end. Keep that in mind. His peace, there's no end. And Isaiah 26.3 says, you keep Him in perfect peace, who what? whose mind is stayed on you 
because he trusts in you. If we keep our minds, just like with my work example, when I started to focus on what God wanted and what he had for me, that gave me great peace. I wasn't upset by what I saw, the injustice of the world. And if we look at the words of Christ and other scriptures, what you'll see is, as I said, we we think of the opposite of peace as war, right? Well, the antonym of peace is anxiety. The opposite of peace is fear. Or the antithesis of peace is worry. Those are the things that are the, the contrary to our peace. Worry, anxiety, fear. Sometimes our concerns are legitimate, right? For safety and things. But he doesn't want our heart to be troubled. He doesn't want us to lose our peace because of it. If our mind is stayed on him, he will keep us in perfect peace. So one of the other names that's Jesus is called in this scripture that's proclaimed the son that's coming, the child that's given, everlasting father. What does that mean? The everlasting father. Well, let me tell you this. On December 27th, 1967, man named Richard McCoy is driving his car to work. He was on his way to work in the coal mines near Josephine, PA, not far from here. And they tell me there was a fresh snow on the ground that day. Richard happened to see a nice eight-point buck near the road in the pines. And he considered for a while turning around, go home and pick up the phone and call off and take a personal day from work and get his recurved bow and go out and see if he could get that buck. So he pondered that for a while and just decided instead to go to work at the coal mines that day and not chase after the buck. But unfortunately, Rich would never get another chance to hunt a buck or shoot his recurve bow again. Rich walked into the coal mine that day, but he never walked out. They carried him out. He left that mine on a stretcher that day. Rich was my dad. At the time, I was two years old. And I had a three-year-old brother and another brother on the way. So as the years passed, I grew up without a father. Move forward to the days when I was a teenage boy. 
And I would say things to myself like, if I was a dad, I might be like Daniel Ray. If I had a dad, if I had a dad, maybe I'd act like Joe Ryer. I bet if I had a dad, I'd be more like Chris Eckenrode. So I never ever shared those thoughts with anyone. But I had them often. As a teenager, and even into my adult life, if I had a dad. Then one day, I was working, and my boss, who was one of the most aggressive men I've ever met in my life, and I played football in high school, and I worked on the gas rigs, and he said to me, Kay, what are you doing with your life? You're 30 years old, you have a little girl, you have a wife, and you have no direction in your life. And I thought, you big jerk. (laughs) I've only known him for about a month. I wanted to punch him right in the face, but he was driving, so... That's probably a good thing. I, I don't think I really would have punched him, but I felt like it. And, uh, but you know what? He was right. I realized that. He was right. And that's right around the time that I put my faith in Jesus. And then I started to, to find this scripture in Isaiah 9-6 that says, Jesus is the wonderful counselor everlasting Father. (laughs) It's good for a young man or woman to have a father. It's a good thing. Some of you listening today, I know have great fathers. I know that. Some, you have no father at all. And some have fathers that are definitely not good fathers. And that's hard. But I want you all to know today, if you have Jesus as your everlasting father, you have the best father this world has ever seen. And you have the only father that you truly need for this life and the next. So you can see, when I saw that my assignment for this message was this Isaiah 9, 1 through 7, I thought, wow, (laughs) I don't know that that was planned or not, but um, it, it means a lot to me. But it does because it did give me peace in my life. That God cares for me. That He loves me. And my circumstances don't change that. Not only did I realize that this thing that happened to me was no longer a curse on my life, but that I could also share it with others who might be broken. And it could be an encouragement to them and point them to the Prince of Peace. 
It's a little bit like Joseph. Satan meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. So I want to move to point number three. That the peace of God is most clearly displayed in the Prince of Peace. Because His peace is absolute. As I said before, the peace of man is fleeting. There's wars and there's rumors of wars and there's turmoil and it goes away and then it comes back and it's just never ending. But Jesus isn't like that. So, His peace is absolute. His peace is eternal. And having peace, real peace, begins with knowing Jesus. Having peace requires us to turn all of our needs, fear, anxiety, and concerns over to Him by faith. And I could use a tissue. I know you guys are always joking with me about that. Excuse me, one second. Where's all those boxes you gave me at the uh, ordination, huh? <laughs> Should have brought one today. I thought it'd be rough, but that was a little more than I expected. Excuse me. Okay. So, having peace begins with knowing Jesus. And having peace, I'm going to read it again, requires us, because I think it's important, to turn all of our needs, all of our fears, all of our anxiety, and all our concerns over to Him by faith. <sighs> hmm. So, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. I just, I just love to read that over and over again. It's so encouraging, and it's so true in my life, in my heart, in my mind, how He's changed me, how He's grown me. <sighs> Sorry, bear with me just one second. All the jokes that Joe and Jason have ever made <laughs> have come true today. <laughs> oh, I love those guys. So, Jesus says in John 14, 30 and 31, I will no longer talk much with you. He's talking about he's going away, he's going to die, and he's going to leave the comforter. For the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me. He's talking about Satan. But I do as the Father commanded me, so the world may know that I love the Father. Rise up, let's, let's go from here. So he's saying Satan has no claim on him. But you know what? He has a claim on all, all of you because of your sin. He has a claim. And he has no claim on Jesus because he lived the sinless life, just as Joe said in the communion. And unless someone pays that price for that claim, he's going to keep you. He has you right now. Satan does. If you haven't put your faith in Jesus, so we need the Prince of Peace is the only one who can pay that price. 
And so humans can deliver themselves from many things at many times. Can we see the picture of the water slide? This has been a pretty heavy message, so maybe we can lighten it up a little here. In case you can't tell, this is a water park, and that's a water slide, and that's a cow. Humans can deliver themselves from many things. This cow was at the slaughterhouse and somehow escaped, and they found it in the water park on the water slide. (laughs) 700-pound cow on a slide that's rated for 450 pounds. So good job, engineers. Um, So I wonder what they did with it, do you think? Do you have any ideas? Anybody think? What would they do with that? Well, I guess they read the, the scriptures that said, I will have mercy and not sacrifice. So they named it Tabuga, which is translating some Portuguese. This is in Brazil, to slide. And it's, it's living a nice, happy life in a sanctuary. So the cow delivered itself from the slaughterhouse somehow. So people can do that too. Sometimes we can deliver. I had a ball. I, had, I, had a, had a, I knew a fella, not a ball. I knew a fella that smoked for many, many years. And then one day on an airplane on a business trip, he just decided, I'm going to quit smoking. And he did. And he never touched another cigarette. Now, most people can't do that, right? So he delivered himself from that addiction somehow. And some people can deliver themselves from other addictions or poverty or maybe even abusive relationships. But there's one thing that we... You could take the cow down. Yeah. The, uh, one thing that we can never deliver ourselves from, for sure. And that is sin and death. In 1 John 1, 8 and 9, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now I want to point you to the word all for those of you who have put your faith in Him. Not just for the sins of years ago, but the sins of yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Jesus can cleanse you from all unrighteousness. That's the only way to find peace with God. So, we bought this vacuum cleaner. We had a Dyson and I didn't like it too much. A lot of people like it. But this is... Don't worry, we didn't slip into an infomercial here. <laughs> this is a Shark Apex vacuum cleaner. I forgot to ask, is there any way we can dim the lights a little bit? I love this vacuum cleaner. It's not even that expensive. Is that a possibility we can dim the lights or no? I forgot to ask him. They're working on it. Okay. So, what I love about it is it has lights. And uh, they're not dimming, so I'm going to turn it on. See that little light there? So it looks pretty clean, like this floor or at my house, it looks pretty clean. And that light, it's not even that bright of a light, comes on and all of a sudden you're like, oh, wow, that's gross. You know? That's kind of gross. And then if you see under some of your furniture, you might have PTSD sometimes, you know, what you see under there with this light. It's like, oh my goodness. So... (laughs) It's like Jesus. He shines a light on, and you think you're pretty clean, and then all of a sudden you go, 
oh my goodness, my heart's not so clean. And maybe you don't have a problem. You're like, I know it's not clean. It's a mess, but that's okay too, you know? But uh, if you think you're pretty clean, then he shines his light on there. As it says, he shines the light in the dark. Sometimes in the basement, in our, you know, we have it finished there. I just don't even turn the lights on because I can see so good with this, the dirt, you know? So Jesus comes in the darkness, as we read in the beginning of our shepherd, and he shines a light on it. But he just doesn't leave us there to go, oh, that's gross. I, I don't, there's nothing I can do with it. Or like my friends from years ago that were kind of knuckleheads that just be, you fell on the ice and they'd be like, oh, look at you, you're stupid. Or, you know, they just kind of laugh at you. Or, it wouldn't just leave you there to suffer, right? He has the power, just like this vacuum cleaner, to clean it up. So you see it and you go, that's better. <laughs> that's a lot better. I like this. I love this thing because even when you take this thing off, it's got, a, it's got another light there. Look at that. Is that amazing? I mean, you can find all kinds of dirt. So, yeah. <laughs> Don't tell my wife I know how to use this, by the way. How much I love it. So, but just like Jesus, it shines a light. But He is mighty God, Prince of Peace, Everlasting Father, Wonderful Counselor, he knows how to clean it up. It's by His blood. He gave His own life. This thing's nice, but there's nothing in the world like the cleansing power of Jesus Christ's blood. The precious blood. He's so humble. He didn't come in a palace of ivory with a crown of gold and rubies. He came in a barn and he wore a crown of thorns and in this world of self-gratification he's God glorification is his goal he gave his precious blood to cleanse us from all unrighteousness and if you want to have peace with God this is the only this is where it starts you think you want to have peace you're restless like I was searching for answers and things and doing things you want, it starts here confess your sins and he will cleanse you from all unrighteousness and then the government will be upon his shoulders and of his government and peace there will be no end it doesn't mean you won't struggle it doesn't mean you won't have challenges but you have the wonderful counselor to look to the prince of peace the everlasting Father. So, if the worship band could come up, I should have given them a little more heads up, maybe. I want to say, if any of you would like to call upon Jesus to save you and cleanse you from all your sins and give you that peace that we spoke about today, I'm going to lead us in a prayer right now. And you can pray whatever words you want to pray. It doesn't, matter. it doesn't matter exactly how you say it. God knows your heart. Come with him to Him with humility. Confess your sins. And He will cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Let's pray. If you want to know this peace, pray with me today. Father, 
I'm a sinner. I confess my sins. I've seen your light and I've seen the darkness of my heart and I know that you want to cleanse it. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for offering it and save me today that I might know the Prince of Peace and live a brand new life in Him.